Okay, I'll hold on, y'all. I'm going to hold this microphone up and see if y'all can hear all the wildlife. That was a that was a horn you just heard. Somebody pulling in behind me. Uh, I'm out here in the park. It's a absolute beautiful day. It's a little uh, dewy. Well, I, it, I don't know if it's dew or it's just the leftover rain from yesterday. I don't know when something stops being leftover rain and becomes dew. I, I don't know where the two begin or end, but either way, I'm walking in a little high grass, covering my ankles in wet, but I do fret not, for I'm happy. Yesterday was one of those, uh, it, you know, there's like, most of the time, it's like boo rain. You know what I mean? Like, if it's a cold and dreary day, but you add rain to it, that's a bummer, huge bummer. Um, but yesterday was one of those days where the rain is actually awesome in that it was a rare day where it was a beautiful day outside, absolutely gorgeous, and frankly, a little too hot for my taste. And then it started raining, but like the sun never went away. So it was just a cooling, wonderful, I just felt like I was in Paris. I enjoyed that type of rain. It cooled me off. It was nice. So I'm back in the park again today. Uh, you know, getting back on the train, and I wanted to talk to y'all today about, I think, I think about snobbery, um, or about things that we need to stop <laughs> as a culture putting so much importance on, or, okay, like, I'm, there's a lot of words that we shouldn't say anymore, and we've learned, and y'all know what those words are. But I do feel like there are some, like, there's some people, like, I just heard yesterday that we're not supposed to say senior citizens are elderly anymore. <laughs> and and maybe, maybe this is where uh, I leave the woke train, <laughs> but I don't find those to be uh, inside. Granted, I'm not a senior citizen or an elderly. I, that's a way to describe a person. Like, if you... If you're offended by being called a senior citizen or elderly, it's probably, in my opinion, it's probably just because you don't want to accept the fact that you are a senior citizen or elderly. And I understand why that would hurt, but I think there's some words that's like, look, man, that just leave those alone. That's that's fine and normal. And sure, some people are going to be mad about anything. But then there's some things in life that while they are innocuous phrases and really don't hurt anybody, I personally have a problem with. So if I was allowed to get rid of a phrase in society, the phrase I would choose would be guilty pleasure. Why, you ask, have I chosen guilty pleasure? Um, because I don't believe it should exist. Here's why. I've had people... I've been, everybody's been posed the question, what's your guilty pleasure? And, you know, whether it is movies or, or music or whatever, it's like, hey, what's, you know, oh, you like the Rolling Stones, sure, but what's your guilty pleasure? And I used to have answers for that. And they were things that, you know, like a, a guilty pleasure would be something like people would say Nickelback. Or I would always say Jimmy Buffett. But here's the deal. I didn't actually feel guilty about that at all. I just know that that is a thing society would consider a guilty pleasure because you're made to feel... There are certain things you're made to feel guilty for enjoying. And now when somebody asks me, what is your guilty pleasure? I say, I don't have one. I do not feel guilty about any single pleasure that I have on this earth, and you shouldn't be either. 
Now, granted, if your guilty pleasure is illegal, <laughs> then perhaps you should be uh, feel guilty or be found guilty for it. But I don't listen. We we have got to understand, folks, that we are well. We're not a, we're not technically allowed an any indeterminate amount of time on this earth. We could drop dead right now. You know, but according to like the life expectancy, which I think for the first time in fucking a millennia is actually going down, we're granted like 76 years. All right. When you're a kid, 76 years seems like an eternity. And it seems like that's plenty of time to live. But but now at 35, which I'm not quite yet a quote unquote senior citizen or an elderly you do have to stop and think to yourself, at 35, I'm technically almost middle age, especially for my, like, you know, region and family history and all that stuff. Like, we look at middle age as, like, 50, 50 or 60, but, like, that's middle age if you're going to live to 120, bro. Who are you kidding yourself? Are you a Chinese rice farmer? They live to 120 sometimes, not our fat asses. You know, so like if you look at it in terms of 35 is like middle age, like we don't have a lot of time here. It will be I will be 70 before I know it. And how do I know that? Because 70, I'm 35 now. It doesn't even remotely feel to me like it took me that much time to get here. My child was just born, meaning that by the time my child is my age, I will be 70. I know a lot of you right now are congratulating me in your mind for being able to do math on the spot. <laughs> Didn't think I had it in you, in me, did you? But but because of that, I'm there's no more guilty pleasures. We're taking that phrase out of rotation and everything, every pleasure you have is guilt-free. Okay? I'm deeming it so. And another thing is that and this is all just me bullshitting. This is my dumb life philosophy. You don't have to follow it. I'm just telling you what it is. You know, as I've told y'all, I ain't no mental health doctor at all. <laughs> I'm not even, um, I barely graduated high school. But, you know, if Matthew McConaughey can write a book and have conferences spouting off on like the way of life, well, I can too, you know, for the nice price of $5 a month, you get training from the Tao of Cho, <laughs> I guess. But like, I was thinking, the reason I even started thinking about this was because of movies and how much differently I've uh, viewed movies just in the past couple years. Like, I used to be a Rotten Tomatoes snob, right? And and before I go any further, I know that a lot of people are thinking, oh, of course an artist doesn't like critics. No, 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 that's not true. I think, listen, critics are a necessary evil. I do think that, you know, as much as some of them piss me off, it's important to have a group of people who will go around explaining the arts because it draws more interest to something when it's critically i mean there have been so many projects that people wouldn't have heard about but a well-known critic saw it and talked about it and now everybody's like oh if they like it i have to go see it you know and so you have to take that with the bad right but i used to be a huge huge rotten tomato snob 
I'm about to talk with a guy today, Mr. Matt Coon. I'm doing his podcast. Some of you remember Matt Coon uh, from our old podcast, Through the Screen Door. That might be how you heard of me for the first time. But Matt Coon is a huge Rotten Tomato snob, and I'm trying so hard to get him to stop being that way. Because he, his whole thing, and again, I used to be like this too, is like, well, if a movie, you know, I will not waste two hours of my life on something that got below a 65% on Rotten Tomatoes because there is only a finite amount of time left on Earth, which is 100% true. But in the past couple years, the one that's become the most important to me is not the critical consensus, it's the audience consensus, right? Because I think for a long time in our lives when we're younger, when we're way younger, we tend to think... That anything that everyone likes has to be bad because we want so badly to be individualistic. And of course, we are all technically individualistic and, you know, thumbprint, snowflakes, all that shit. But like, sometimes I just have to go back to the phrase 50 million Elvis fans can't be wrong. And if you don't know what that phrase means, I mean, it's pretty self explanatory. It's like, look, if, if <laughs> sometimes if everybody likes a thing, there's a reason, and it's because that thing is good, right? Some noted examples of things that were critically acclaimed and also popularly acclaimed, like you've got Game of Thrones. Yes, it was way hyped, and it was, but it was, but it was because it was good, right? Batman, same thing. The reason a bunch of people like Batman is because Batman fucking rules. Most of the Marvel movies, you know, like. <laughs> Just sometimes, I mean, you know, I think of it with like Taylor Swift and like, like so many people want to shit on people that are quote unquote Swifties, but it's like, dog, if she sucked, there wouldn't be as many of them, period. Like, dude, in the, in the entertainment industry, yes, you can suck and get a lucky break and have like a hit or a moment, but unless you're good, you will not stick around. I mean, we've seen it countless times with one-hit wonders or an actor who will, you know, be in a series and then boom, they're not getting any roles anymore. Sometimes people get lucky and they can't capitalize on that luck because they don't actually have the skill. It was just luck. But when, when luck continues to happen, it is often, not all the time. I know that there is, uh, there is nepotism and whatnot. But like, but also going on that, there are some actors' kids who can't get roles because they just aren't good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, of course they're going to get their foot in the door quicker. But if you start losing the box office money, you don't get to be in things anymore. That is how it works. I'm not, I'm not sitting here trying to defend uh, nepotism or whatever. All I'm saying is one thing that is usually true is. If you are at the tippy tippy top and you have been for a long time, it's not just luck. It literally can't be, right? So thinking about audience score versus the critical consensus, one movie that 100% changed the way that I looked at everything. This is going to be so raven and funny for y'all to hear this coming out of my mouth, but it's true. Is when I went back and looked at the Rotten Tomato score for Joe Dirt. Y'all, I believe it got a 7%. Now, I think a lot of people listen to this. It's like kind of common knowledge that people know that critics, they critique comedy with the same lens that they critique Citizen Kane 
which is just not fair, right? It's not fair. Like you can, you will, I guarantee you there's been critics who have gone to a comedy movie, laughed their ass off the entire time. But then when they went to, to write a review about it, they panned it. And they might even explain, like, you know, of course I laughed the whole time, but... And it's like, but what? The first thing you just said is the indictment of the movie in that it's, it's, it achieved its job. That job was to make you laugh. It's a comedy, right? Sometimes there's comedies that are trying to subvert things. Like, like to me, it's like Blazing Saddles is probably the best example of one that was both. Yet It was one of the greatest comedies of all time, but it also is one of the greatest movies of all time. I might get knocked for this, but I believe that Anchorman falls into the same category. I believe that Superbad falls in the same category. I believe that Dumb and Dumber falls in the same category. These were all amazing comedies, but they were also just good movies. There's some comedies that aren't really meant to leave you with anything more than gut-busting laughter, and that's totally fine. You know, 7% for Joe Dirt. And let me explain to some of y'all something about Joe Dirt that you may not know. I know a lot of you probably think that Southerners may hate Joe Dirt because, you know, it was written by a non-Southerner. It was written by David Spade. And a lot of people think, oh, well, he's poking fun at the South or whatever. And I'm here to tell you <laughs> that every single one of my friends in my town of Chickamauga, Georgia, male or female, would 100% list Joe Dirt on their list of top five comedies of all time, most of them having it at number one. And that is a, that is because David Spade fucking nailed it, you know? And also, I mean, I don't even really think that the movie takes place in the South. It's just like, it's, it's about rural America. And we all recognize that rural America, North, South, East, or West is similar, you know? Like I've told this story all the time. I went to, I worked at Yellowstone for a couple of weeks cleaning hotels in the Eisenhower room. And there's people from all over working there, you know. And uh, I met this dude named Jesse. And we saw each other the first day of orientation. And like, without even saying anything to each other, we knew we were going to be buddies. And the reason is, I was wearing a John Deere hat. This son of a bitch was wearing a cowboy hat, right? And we just kind of locked, we were the only non-hippies there. There's, and there's nothing wrong with being a hippie at all. But it was just a bunch of like the hiking type hippies. And then we caught eyes and we're like, oh, we're just good old boys that wanted to, you know, work out here and see some shit. And we immediately became friends. And I couldn't have been more shocked when we started talking. And I hear, hey, how you doing? My name's Jesse. He was from Washington State. He's from Washington State, but rural Washington State, where he was a, a cow roper, right? And me and this guy got talking. And I realized that me and this guy from, you know, a 28, 30 hour drive away from each other had more in common than me and somebody who lives in Atlanta, Georgia, two hours down the street, because we both came from rural areas, right? And like the whole North and South debate can usually, in my opinion, be boiled down to no, it's city sensibilities and rural sensibilities, you know, for the most part. Like, me and him, we traveled together. We traveled through uh, uh, Wyoming. We traveled through Montana. And in the rural parts, I was right at home. And so was he, even though we were in a different region of the country, right? 
And to me, that's what Joe Dirt does. It's like, no, this is this is rural. Now, of course, everybody put on their southern accents because you know, <clears throat> and I know, <clears throat> and it's a damn shame, but it is what it is. That when a cast, when a when a casting script, you get one, and it says that your character is supposed to be dim-witted, everyone puts on <laughs> everyone puts on the southern accent. I remember watching a show one time. And it was set in Reno, Nevada, and this character was born and raised in Reno, Nevada, and he talked like me because the character was stupid. I do not fault the actor for that because <laughs> clearly he started doing it, and the director was like, you're nailing it, brother, you know? But Joe Dirt has a 7% on Rotten Tomato, yet within the demographic that it purports to, to, to uh, lampoon, people love it. That movie is one of the greatest comedies of all time. It is Drew from the Well Read Podcast, my buddy, has said that actually Slumdog Millionaire stole the idea of Joe Dirt, which is really funny and kind of true because like both movies are a dude having to answer all these questions to prove that he has lived the life that he's purporting to live, right? And they do it in flashbacks. It's, a, it's sort of a modern day gump, you know? And it's great, but 7% on Rotten Tomatoes. And then I started looking at other movies that I had enjoyed over the years, and their their critical ratings were horrible, right? And realizing this, and also, you know, we're all snotty and snooty in our 20s, I guess. Like, when I was in, I never went to college, but when I was at that college age, I mean, dude, it, it was, I had, you know, I only wanted to watch things that were, subversive and i only drank craft beer and blah 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 now granted this is the same kid who was like i'm telling you the boondock saints may be the greatest movie of all time <laughs> now by the way i still feel that way like because i love that movie and i and that one too blows my mind i guess i can watch it now and see how some of the filmmaking decisions people could consider bad but like i don't know man i think that a movie it a movie's number one job and some people might disagree with this, and those people are stupid. A movie's number one job is to entertain you. That's it. If the movie does that, then it's not a bad movie. You might look at the movie and then compare it to, like I said, Citizen Kane or Singing in the Rain, which, by the way, just so y'all know, I think I consider Singing in the Rain the greatest movie of all time. If you, A, if you've never seen it, holy shit, what are you, what are you thinking? Um, but if you haven't seen it in a while, go back and watch because those, you know, movies, especially comedies, tend to age like bread and especially stuff that was from that, that long ago. And it's not that the writing at the time was bad or, or anything. It's just that like, you know, we know so much more now of how to make films and they didn't know it back then. The, and the reason that we know it is because they didn't know it and they tried stuff. But I'm telling you, Singing in the Rain absolutely holds up. Of course, uh, audience loved it. Critics loved it. It's one of those anomalies. But I've started watching movies now based specifically on friends, like my friends' requests, and not what I hear from some goddamn critic. Now, of course, you know, <laughs> sometimes if every critic is saying it's great, then I'll see it. But I no longer discount a movie just because a bunch of critics say it was bad, especially if it's an, you know, an action movie or a comedy, because they just don't, there needs to be, Rotten Tomatoes should have a law where there are regular movie critics and there are comedy critics, people whose only job is to critique comedies, because you just can't 
fucking look at Schindler's List and then with that same lens go critique 40-year-old virgin. You just can't do it. It's not fair. The two movies are setting out to do two completely separate things. But anyways, this all <laughs> comes back to I'm done with guilty pleasure. We live in a sometimes unbearable society, y'all. We live in a place that is rotten to the core and seems to get more rotten every day. When actually I know that isn't true, technically we live in the best time to be alive. It doesn't seem like it, but we do, right? Any pleasure that you get, you should not feel guilty about it unless, as I said, it is a crime. So, in honor of that, today... I'm going to go watch Super Troopers, I'm going to listen to Jimmy Buffett, and I'm going to drink a goddamn Coors Light or some other such beer that folks tell me is piss water because you know what? God damn it, I like it, and I'm no longer ashamed of liking it. Thank you all for letting me rant. I hope you have a wonderful day. Go watch a silly movie that the audience loved but the critics hated. I guarantee you, you will have a great day <laughs> because of it. I will see y'all later, um, and thank y'all for subscribing. Remember, if you can't afford the $5, you still get everything for free. Uh, for those that that upsets, I will gladly give you your subscription money back. I don't think that's anybody, but if it is, you know I'll do it. More stuff coming this week. So glad to be back out here ranting. Love you. See you. Bye.